0: Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend, Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection Team through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up, here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, let me just start off, uh, I should probably tell some folks where you've stumbled upon the collision of faith and politics. This is Sundays with Dr. Sean, and uh, this is going to come at you kind of quick because I'm fighting this evil cold that's going around, it's, and it's winning, it's it's winning, so, uh, and I have to pray for all of y'all out there that might be struggling with sickness and cold, too, so, hope that you're all okay. Chat is open, and how many, um, how many last week heard Christabel Braden, and heard the show with Christabel Braden? Well, I'm telling you, if you didn't hear it, you need to click in to uh, the theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. Click on that, go over to listen, and click on it. really, really good stuff. She's really, really a special human being. And thank you to Steve uh, and Bonnie for bringing her to our attention. We really enjoyed having her grandpa and her uh, sister with us. There's some really neat people. So doing some great, great stuff, great, great stuff. So I thought today we would talk about the math of God, the math of God. Now, I don't like math. Uh, especially since the crash. I'm really terrible. I was I was not great at math before. Post-crash, really, really not good. That was... <laughs> the doctor in the house came up with a pun. It was the aftermath. Bum bum Wes, next week, drums and a hi-hat for the rim shot. Very, very good. The aftermath. I love it. I love it. Wow, that food is smelling good. I must not have that bad of a cold, because I can still smell that food. It smells really good. So the math of God, E plus E plus E equals F. And again, I said it was the unsolvable math of God. But again, that formula for you, you math people or engineers, uh, E plus E plus E equals F. Now, that is not common core. Uh, the new math really is the ancient math, and, and it's a simple formula, solvable by only one. Yes, in the daily teaching of his Talmudim, uh, those are his disciples, by the way. Somebody sent me a message last week. He said, you should really say the regular English word and not just the Hebrew word. Um, but as you listen to these messages, you'll start to learn, uh, you know, what, what I'm meaning by it. But the Talmudim are his disciples, his followers. Um, they emptied, and and I, and I guess, you know, you have to look back. In your mind's eye, because obviously you can't transport yourself there, but kind of we can through prayer. Imagine what it must have been like. Now, Yeshua or Jesus, in this daily teaching to the Talmudim, because that was the first group that he was teaching. He was teaching first to them. Uh, He was discipling them, and then in that process, he emptied himself. Really, I mean, says he was tired. You know, said he had to rest, had to eat. You know, he had he had all the human functions. He emptied himself for them, but it was not a zero risk proposition. If you've ever, if you've ever thought, I don't know, it just was in my mind. Uh, one night I couldn't sleep; it was like three thirty or something. And uh, so I decided I would just start writing out what I was thinking when I woke up. And what I was thinking was, I, I wonder how emotionally exhausted he must have been on a daily basis. He lived 33 years of human years, you know, here, earthly years, natural years. But I I just have to wonder, you know, how exhausting it must have been. I know if I were his disciple, pardon me while I take my shirt off here. They're not my shirt, my uh, blazer. What kind of show we got going on here? I'm getting the ratings up or down, one or the other. So... Anyway, I, I thought about it, and I was, I was thinking to myself. See if anybody's in in a chat. Blessing, Sean. Hey, Craig, Craig from New York. Oh, ninety! Happy birthday to Craig from New York's mother. Ninety-three years old. Awesome. That's cool. Well, tell her the Ninja Pastor said happy birthday. She'd be like, the Ninja Pastor. Who's that? I don't know. He's some guy takes his shirt off when he's filming his show on the radio. On the radio. He's got a. I always say I have a face for radio. I apparently have a figure for radio. But what if, I don't know, maybe maybe you didn't think of this. Maybe it's just 3 o'clock in the morning I'm thinking stuff. What if the Talmudim didn't accept him? What if the people to whom he was preaching, the crowds to whom he was preaching, what if they didn't accept him? What if they didn't believe him? What if they didn't follow him? But I think more than that, what if they didn't love him? I'm going to say that again. You know, Yeshua emptied himself for his Talmudim and the people to whom he was preaching and ministering. But it was high risk. It's it's a high risk activity because what if they didn't accept him? What if they didn't believe him? What if they didn't follow him? But more than that, what if they didn't love him? Isn't that our biggest fear as humans? What if if they don't love me? What if so-and-so doesn't love me? You know, you in a relationship. What if what if they don't love me? You know, when you're a kid, you know, you ask people out, what if they reject you? Hey, can I get your number? And then they give you a fake number to like the movies or garbage collection place or something and you're like, Well, I guess they don't like me. Yeah. But that's the biggest re- that's the biggest thing we think when we're kids, but, but really as we get older we know what love is, what if they don't love me? Now, I'm gonna say to you that that Yeshua wasn't feeling this, what if they don't love me like a petulant child? He was feeling this, if they don't love me, follow me, believe me, accept me, they'll die. They'll die. It's all over for them. Now, So I'm not saying the, the needy, self-centered love that we most often exhibit. The risk was even greater than that of his death. They don't love me. It's not just me dying. It's them. What if the people for whom he shed tears as he looked down at Jerusalem? What if they rejected his message of repentance and following hard after the Father? High-risk love is a scriptural equation that in the natural with the new math simply doesn't add up. So I said there was a, a formula here, and I'm just going to rattle through it for you. If you're writing them down, it's pretty easy. E plus E plus E equals F. <clears throat> you have to pardon me if I start coughing. I do apologize. First E, empty charges against Christ. Empty charges against Christ. What were the charges against Christ? There was really, let's be honest, there wasn't really one. They were trumped up, made up. The trials were, were a sham. There were just a few supposed reasons. The certain Jews who wanted to see him executed claimed it was for blasphemy. That's a violation of of Hebrew law, blasphemy. So you can be put to death for that. And and how was he being a blasphemer? He was making himself out to be God or alternatively supposing him to have violated the Sabbath. Yet the rulers of the Jews only had derivative powers granted by the Romans and didn't have the authority to actually execute criminals. So they needed to pass this task along to the Romans. So they deliver him to Pilate under the accusation, you've heard the story up probably a hundred million times, that as someone who has made himself out to be king, he's not loyal to Caesar. Well, Caesar, we know that wasn't true, we'll talk about that in a second. But upon actually trying the case, Pontius Pilate, he admits he's found no fault in him. He says, I wash my hands, I find no fault. I wash my hands of it, I find no fault. Ultimately, Yeshua's conviction was a matter of political expediency. Really, it was. That's all it was about. That's I always tell people, uh, you know, if, if you're a Christian and you say, "Look, I'm," I abdicate. I don't. I don't get involved with politics. I don't get involved with politics because I don't want to get involved in that messy business. I think Christians should stay out of politics. This is what they say most often. But here's here's what I'm saying. Political expediency affects you no matter what. It impacts you no matter what. You have to know what's what's happening in the world and how that impacts you. And it was no different really at this time, except for the power, the people who were in power, well, they, wanted, they wanted to stay in power. They wanted their power to grow. The Jews were pressuring him, Pontius Pilate, uh, and he was more interested in keeping the peace. He just, you know, he'd already had so many insurrections. He didn't want... You know, to take some heat from above, so he just said, "Hey, you know, I want to, I'm going to get a little break here." Now I'm going to give you an example of that. It's comparable, comparable to police shutting down a peaceful protest on the charge that they lack a noise permit, but really, it's because maybe they upset a, a favored politician or or uh, some group. So for the civil trial. Luke's account, uh, Luke 23, 2, gives the most detail about the charges. And they began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ the king. And this is in 23, 5, but they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee, it's all the way here, the subverting our, our nation charge. Let me just say this, you know, come on, come on. The nation, small n, they didn't know he was about the kingdom, big K. They 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 thought that they could crush him and shut down this movement simply by. But all it did was make it stronger, subverting our nation charge. The whole not playing, you know, it, the Hebrews at this point in time, they were wanting to get rid of um, Yeshua. They figured they'd try that angle because, you know, hey, Pilate, uh, they're not paying the taxes. I don't know if you want to do something and doesn't want to pay, you know, kind of making it in his best interest but but really that wasn't the deal either. Um, the, the subverting our nation charge it, it may be a religious charge in which Pilate is of course not concerned except for how it interferes with ruling the region. the politicians they just want to know how it impacts them most often unfortunately that's that's the way it it, it seems to have become. How it interferes with the ruling of the region. His job. How does it mess with me? So the statement in Luke twenty-three five seems to be that the religious leaders pointing out that this is causing trouble about which the Romans should be concerned. Look, this matters to you. You need to do something. And uh, by the way, you'll be helping us out if you do. But here's the thing: anybody that could draw crowds of thousands of people in these remote places. See, these are. It's hot. You know, it's hot. It's it's sandy. It's arduous. It's dangerous. He's drawing thousands of people wherever he goes. Look, that that's going to be a concern. That's going to be a concern. Now, look, I'm not, not going to be political tonight, but but let's look at the, the the example of this most recent election in the United States. You had a guy who they laughed off. They really laughed at Donald Trump. They said, "There's no, <clears throat> come on. You're you're a, a investor guy, a real estate developer, and a TV guy. Come on." And only one or two political people or pundits said that, yeah, he's the guy's going to win. Most other people had him completely written off. Now what? You see all the crowds. The one crowd, they had 44,000 people. Some of the people stood in line for six hours in the Florida heat. Well, that guy's trouble. Man, dangerous. How about Yeshua? Out in the wilderness people need to be concerned about that people in power by the way Jerusalem uh, Ezra 4 12 through 16 I thought this would be uh, interesting for you to read sometime I'm not going to go into it now but Ezra 4 12 through 16 speaks of Jerusalem as uh, was typically viewed as a rebellious city they were they were very rebellious um, so there's a lot going on in Jerusalem the payment of taxes charge it, it was a false charge and in Matthew 22, 21, uh, Mark 12, 17, Luke 20, 25, makes it very, very clear that, that Yeshua said, hey, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He was about paying the tax, doing what was supposed to be done. He was making a much bigger statement there that they just didn't get. And, and to be fair, I don't know that I would have gotten it if I were standing there listening to the message. So then there was this charge of, well, you're, you're making yourself a king, but they used, well, they, I don't think they used air quotes back then, but for the radio audience. But, but here's the thing: they used a small k. They thought, "Oh, you're going to take over. You're going to take over this uh, this land, you know. And he's going to push you out of power, and and going to push out and our money. You know, so many things come from this, and this guy's trouble. He, he's really going to be trouble." And I think it's interesting in Matthew twenty-seven eleven, Mark fifteen two, uh, Luke twenty-three three, and John eighteen thirty-seven. It he says, in effect, Yeshua says, "Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're right." And most people would say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hey, 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 hey! Where's your lawyer? Where's your lawyer? You got no lawyer? What are you just talking out here? You just you just give yourself up? What's the matter with you? Right?" But he didn't have an attorney. Well, yes, he did. He had an attorney in heaven. He was here on heavenly business. But he said, in effect, yeah, you're right. I am the king. Yeshua said, I'll just give you this. By the way, when you're reading all those verses I talked about, on 1836, don't stop at, you know, don't just, 1836 points out that he's not a threat to Roman rule in the traditional political military sense. So then you start to get a feel, I'll just read it, why not? It doesn't cost you any more is free of charge. Yeshua said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Let me read that again, just for fun. My kingdom is not of this world. Now that freaks people out. I don't care who you are. People start talking about the other world that they're from. That freaks them out. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. Now, I want to give you this is partly a math equation, I guess. You've got thousands of Jews following Christ, right? And they're, they're, they're going into the wilderness. They're taking these long sojourns. I mean, it's crazy how devoted they are to him. And it's still a little unclear what this guy is totally and completely about, but he's got them. The ones he's got, he's got. And if those people ever decide, you know, I think – I'm going to draw my sword. He said to sell my cloak and get me a sword. If I didn't have a sword, I think I'm going to draw my sword and go in there and rescue Yeshua. They'd be in trouble. If the masses of people decided that, they would be in such trouble. It would be over. It would be over. There'd be bloodshed, but I think they'd win. Thousands and thousands of people. As, I don't know if you've ever read, Affable Geek points out, Pilate knew that Yeshua was not guilty. But chose political expediency over truth. After all, what is truth? Charge against Jesus was that of uh, blasphemy. Right? We know blasphemy, and that was the biggie. According to the Pharisees, Yeshua himself was claiming to be God. Matthew 26 records the trial again with the air, the air quotes, uh, in a Jewish court. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the elders of the law and the elders where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. Now let me just say this. You all know this. You all are well-read well folks. Somebody coming in with a tissue box. Uh-oh, that's trouble. I got my tissues right here. That's never a good sign. So, nighttime. What can't you do in Hebrew law at night? Can't have a trial. You cannot have a trial. Can't have a trial. It's illegal. Cannot have a trial. This is nighttime sneaky peeps. Not Peter. Uh, but they were sneaky. So they would all assembled. Peter followed him a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Yeshua so they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, Two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Roll. Were they lying against Yeshua? No, he really did say that. There's something to that effect, you know. They're paraphrasing, I'm sure. Then the high priest stood up and said to Yeshua, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Yeshua remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse 64 changes everything. History has changed in this one statement. You have said so, Yeshua replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, you're not going to get me. Oh, you're going to put me through some troubles now. You're going to beat me. You're going to beat me almost to death. You're going to nail me to a cross, which, by the way, my father made the tree that made the cross. And my blood will spill onto the soil that my father made man. you got to win for now, but it's not Forever. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Whether or not the charges are true, of course, hinges on whether or not Yeshua was God. His prophecy of destroying this temple, referring to his body, not necessarily the building, was destroyed and resurrected after three days. If, in fact, he was God, then it isn't technically blasphemy. But it still seems as though Yeshua's trial was supposed to be a setup from the beginning. Don't you get that impression? Kind of got railroaded. I don't know if any of you have ever gotten railroaded, but okay, let's see here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. we got a bunch of people joining in here. Good to have you. Matthew 27, it picks up the Roman charge, but it's never he's never convicted of it. Yeshua's never convicted of that. As Matthew records it, why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that insisted a, uh, instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands. I just told you this. Look at this. See this? i tell you the truth. Uh, washed his hands in front of the crowd. I forgot I even put this in here. It's <laughs> surprise to me. Again, listen to the brain injury talk from last week. You'll understand. I'm innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. Now, here we have Pilate giving in to the mob. Have you ever seen that happen? Look at all the people, the performers that won't sing or perform at the uh, inauguration because there's several people who said, yeah, I think I'll I'll perform. Yeah, Yeah, why not? Or they said, you know, Nicole Kidman, God bless her. You know, the guy's the president. This is how it works in this country. He was elected. We need to get over it. We need to get over it. We're all Americans. And now she is getting Pride on social media. My goodness. But sometimes they, they give in to the mob, right? And then the retractor statement, Jennifer Holliday, she she made such a, a, a nice statement very much to the same effect. Like, look, you know, the guy's the president. He ran. He shocked us all. Let it be. Stop with all this he's not my president, you know, and, and all this. Give the man a chance. Well, then what happened? Then she gets slammed in social media and all different places. She got a show canceled because the people were mad. And then she comes back out and she makes a statement. She says, you know, in thinking, I need to learn more about politics and political figures. I kind of miss this whole Donald Trump thing, so I misspoke. And, you know, he represents a lot of the people that I work with, and I don't want them to be offended. What I'm saying here is folks will cave. Pilot wasn't the only one. But there was—make no mistake—there was there was no there was no legality to it. Our our next E, if you're keeping track, our next E is empty, empty cross, empty cross. The crushing of Satan at the cross. Alright, it's our first E. Uh, so, if you look here, I'm going to give you for those who just joined. We got some people just joining us now. Um, the new math is this. You ready? i gonna give it to you. It's 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 a simple, simple unsolvable math of God. E plus E plus E equals F. You got that? E plus E plus E equals F. All right. Can't say I didn't give you the give you the question. I don't know if you're gonna pass the test or not. All right. Let's see here. I'm gonna to have to skip over some things here because I see I have I have misappla- miscalculated my time. So, empty cross, the crushing of Satan at the cross. The day is coming, God says, when you, not just your offspring, will be defeated and removed from this earth. The offspring of this woman will crush you. Now, that's Romans 16, 20, Hebrews 2, 14. That decisive blow was struck by the perfect offspring of the woman, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Hamashiach, when he died on the cross. This is one of the reasons why the eternal Son of God had to become a man, because it was the offspring of a woman. Who would crush Satan? You see, this all had to happen. The people that are having these arguments in, in the illegal monkey courts, what do you call them? Is it monkey court? What is the term for kangaroo court? I had the wrong animal. Uh, good thing I didn't say sloth court, you know? People like, I don't follow that pistis so well. He uses the wrong animals every time. Kangaroo court, right. Kangaroo, I don't know what kangaroo is in Hebrew. I don't think they have one for that one, but they probably do. So, so this, you know, this is a kangaroo court going on. I'm going to use that to death now that I remember it. So that way I'll remember for five minutes. And so kangaroo court that goes on, and, and what happens? He knows the deal. Yeshua knows the deal. Even his disciples, they didn't really know the deal because they're they're acting based still in the natural. They're Which not to throw rocks at them. Hey, I can't throw rocks at them. I'd have been freaking out. i have been wanting to cut somebody. Come on, let's go bust them out. I'm not a violent person per se, but I'd be wanting to bust somebody out, you know. Let's 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 fight back here. But they didn't understand, and I probably wouldn't have understood either. This is what this is about. he's fulfilling prophecy. Because it was the offspring of a woman who would crush Satan. Colossians two, fourteen-fifteen describes what God did for those who trust his son when he died on the cross. The record of debt that stood against us, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over. Them in him. When Christ died for our sins, Satan was disarmed and defeated. Don't miss that. When Christ died for our sins, Satan was disarmed and defeated. The one eternally destructive weapon that he had was stripped from his hand, namely the accusation before God that we are guilty and that we should perish with him. You see, when Christ died, that accusation was nullified. All those that entrust themselves to Christ will never perish. Satan cannot separate them from the love of God in Christ. That's Romans 8, 37, 39. The next E, E plus E plus E equals F. There we go. Empty grave. Empty grave. John 21. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Miriam and Magdala uh, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she came running to Shem on Kepha and the other Talmud, in other words, the other disciples, the one Yeshua loved and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they've put him. Then Kepha, Peter, and the other Talmud started for the tomb. They both ran, but the other Talmud outran Kepha and reached the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen burial sheets lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Shem on Kepha arrived entered the tomb and saw the burial sheets lying there, also the cloth that had been around his head, lying not with the sheets but in a separate place and still folded up. Then the other Talmud who had arrived at the tomb first also went in. He saw and he trusted. They had not yet come to understand that the Tanakh teaches that the Messiah has to rise from the dead. You see, we can be in the middle of something. This is just a minor point here, maybe not so minor. We can be in the middle of something and not get it. We can be in the middle of something and not get what's happening. We don't know what's going on. We think we know, but we don't know. And that can be that can be very, very troublesome. Putzes, every one of them. Craig from New York says, putz is every one of them. I love that. That's funny. Feel free to comment on uh on chat, by the way. So the, this is verse 10. So the Talmudim returned home, but Miriam stood outside crying. As she cried, she bent down, she peered into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Yeshua had been, one at the head and one at the feet. Why are you crying? They asked her. They took my Lord, she said to them, and I don't know where they have put him. As she said this, she turned around and saw Yeshua stand there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? She came running to the grave. Now she sees these angels. She turns around. And at first she didn't know it was him. Yeshua said to her, Lady, why are you crying? whom are you looking for thinking that maybe he was the gardener she said to him sir if you're the one who carried him away just tell me where you put him and i'll go get him myself can you imagine she says look i don't care what i have to do i'll go get him my primary focus is to take care of yeshua even in his death you see it hadn't occurred to her that he was risen again all she knew is what i got to do is my duty here and take care of my Lord. Yeshua said to her, Miriam, turning, she cried out to him in Hebrew. All he had to do was say her name. You see, when the Father says your name, that's a whole different, whole different, when he calls your name, it's a whole different deal than just when your brother or your friend or your neighbor says your name. He said to her, Miriam. turning, she cried out to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, Rabbani, stop holding on to me. See, you can picture this, right? This is easy. This in your head. She would want to run to him and grab him, right? Because you want to hold on to this. This is life before me. I saw him die. And now he's You want to grab that. You want to touch it. That's the way you confirm it's true. It's reality. It becomes a new reality. This is such a grand, amazing thing that she just wanted to touch him. But he said, stop holding on to me, because I haven't yet gone back to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am going back to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. <coughs> Excuse me. Many of Magdala went to the Talmudim with the news that she had seen the Lord, and that he had told her this. In the evening that same day, the first day of the week, when the Talmudim were gathered together behind locked doors out of fear of the Judeans. Hold up now. Did you miss that? Out of fear of who? The Judeans. Sometimes your trouble, sometimes your greatest trouble, your greatest strife, your greatest enemy is the person in the church. The people in the church. We heard last week about how painful that can be. My goodness, that girl nine years ago, she didn't do a thing wrong. She was just playing a game. She got hurt real, real bad and it affected the rest of her life. And yet they rejected her. Sometimes the church can be your greatest enemy. It was the Judeans, out of fear of the Judeans. Yeshua came, stood in the middle, and said, Shalom, I like him. Having greeted them, he showed them his hands and his sides. The Talmudim were overjoyed to see the Lord. Shalom Aleichem, Yeshua repeated. Just as the Father sent me, I myself am also sending you. Boy, he got right to work, didn't he? Look, that's great. Let's feel a good moment here. High five, high five, high five, high five, high five. Watch the hand uh, with the, 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 the nail went through. Let's be gentle. Now you don't have to be gentle on Jesus. You don't have to do that. But then right after he says, just as the Father sent me, I myself am also sending you. May I forget that? Immediately, they have, they have very little time for rejoicing. They have very little time to jump up and down. It's, this is like, look, we got to get to work here. That's great. This is awesome. I kind of knew it would happen. But whatever, I've been telling you, but whatever, we got to get to work. And you, you are being sent. Having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, did you catch that? How many times have you read this and missed that? I missed it until I was preparing this sermon, feverishly writing this sermon. I missed it. And then all of a sudden I read it. I got my regular Bible, you know, one of my printed Bibles, the book kind, and, I, and I, it, I, my eyes just fell right to it. Having said this, he breathed on them and said to them. He breathed on them. Why is that important? Breath is life. And he said to them, receive the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you hold them, they are held. Now to Omah, the name means twin, uh, Thomas, one of the twelve was not with them when Yeshua came. When the other Talmudim told him, we have seen the Lord, he replied, unless I see the nail marks in my hand. Put my finger in the place where the nails were put and my hand in his side, I refuse to believe it. Now, we've been, I've preached lots of Easter sermons and I talk about this. Don't be so hard on doubting Thomas. Don't be so hard on him. Would you believe it? Right off? Probably not. Let's be honest. I wouldn't. I don't know, maybe I would. But I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. I'd be like, mm, let me see for myself. Maybe I wouldn't come at it like uh, I don't believe. Mm-mm, no, not until I see. You're going to have to show me. right? I might not have been like that. I've been like struck a pensive paw- pose and said, I could, yeah, I'd like to see. Maybe, maybe you know, put my finger in yeah, a little. I mean, I believe you. Not totally, but I believe you. I just want to touch myself. Why? Why do we do that? One of the worst things when I was police officer, one of the worst things you could ever have is an eyewitness account. Doesn't that blow your mind? Yeah. And what's worse than one eyewitness account is eight or nine of them, because then you got all these crazy stories. So he says, "Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger into the place." where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I refuse to believe it. Don't skip. There's one word in that last sentence. I refuse to believe it. I refuse to believe it. That's our biggest problem. We refuse to believe. We refuse. It's not a matter of we don't have enough evidence. The evidence is sketchy or crazy or strange. It's we refuse to believe because faith requires us to suspend attachment and tethering, nay, imprisonment of the natural in order to accept the unexplainable of the supernatural. A week later, as Talmudim were once more in the room, and this time, a week, a week later. What do you think that week was like? Mm Mm-hmm. Y'all was talking about Jesus was here, talking about, yeah, we saw him as Father and great and everything. Oh, you'll be so excited. And then, look, it's a week later, no Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I think I won this bet. A week later, all the doors were locked. See the natural. The door was locked. It was barred. in the natural, you can't get in. The natural can't get in. But that was nothing to Yeshua. Yeshua came stood among them and said shalom them. then he said to oma i don't know did somebody tell him send him an email maybe a text hey by the way when you show up again which we hope is soon cuz he's really given us a bunch of grief maybe you could just you know show him and he no immediately says to toma put your hand put your finger here look at my hands take your hand and put it into my side don't be lacking in trust but have trust was he mad at thomas toma was he mad at him no, at no point was he mad at him. Is he mad at us? No. I, I think he knows how bound we are. We're just bound. We're bound here by so many things. The enemy has convinced us that the supernatural in Christ is is not a thing. Hashem's not a thing. It, 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 you know, the, just you believe this because it's a crutch and, you know, you're going to pray and that's nice. It makes you feel better. But in reality, you know, come on. Things happen the way they happen and you can't do anything. There's sometimes lucky chances, but whatever. He knows that we're susceptible to that. He knows this. This is not a shock to God. So immediately, don't be lacking in trust, but have trust. Sometimes that's the simplest answer. I get people that ask me these really super complex questions. You know, oh I I gotta find a job. Oh, I gotta do this. Oh, I gotta do this. The world's crashing on me, everything's bad. And I say, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. They're like, you, where did you get, What it, Romper Room, Divinity School? Is that where you went? I say, no, it's just that simple. Trust and obey. Just do it. I, look, I'm not going out on a big limb here. It says, Yeshua said, don't be lacking in trust, but have trust. Don't be lacking in trust, but have trust. It's that simple. Oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? What do I mean? Don't read more books. Don't don't buy more seminars. Don't run around, you know. I don't know whatever people do that are nervous, picking your fingernails or, you know, scratching it, whatever you do because you're nervous. Don't do it. Just trust. God's got this. There is nothing you can throw at God that's bigger than him, that exceeds his power, his influence, his ability to reckon unto him and to put it under his control. Don't be lacking in trust, but have trust. Just do it. Then immediately, to Alma said, my Lord and my God, Yeshua said to him, have you trusted me because you have seen me? How blessed are those who do not see but trust anyway. Do you know those people that get on your nerves? I know people like this. They get all over your nerves because they're Christians, and they just trust. They just trust. They don't challenge. Father, into your hands I commit my entire life, every little bit. Whatever happens, happens. I'm good. I get persecuted, that's fine. You said I would be. I get rewarded, you said you have the abundance of your, you know, the hills and the hills, the the, the cattle on a thousand, you know, sands, you know. I mean, look—he uses examples over examples, over examples of great wealth and great, um, you know, abundance. Maybe not money, but abundance. He uses all these things. You know, what, what? I can't, I can't overcome this thing. Are you kidding me? How blessed are those who do not see but trust? I mean, you know those people. You know those people. Maybe you're one of them who has been in the trial of your life over and over and over. And you've just trusted and you said, Father, I'm not worried. You've got this. You've got me and you've got this. And to the world, it may look like it's a really bad situation, but you know what? I'm not going to fear. Why? Because I trust you. I know that you've got this. You don't make some big statement to a bunch of other people. You don't make some big fanciful thing. You don't, you know, start talking in bumper stickers. You just somebody says, gosh, you know, if people come visit you when something really bad, bad have bad news, you know, they always they don't want to talk about it. It's like cancer. You ever know it's that cancer Like people always whisper cancer. You know, they talk normal until it comes to the word. So Johnny, how are you? You know, gosh, I, I you know, I haven't seen you in a while and then all of a sudden, you know, we hear this with the cancer. You know, like if you whisper it it's not gonna, you know, you know, say it out loud, it's not real. Well, it is real. I can tell you this, one day, that'll be that'll be another thing, crushed by God. We get to heaven, there's no cancer, there's no crying, there's no sickness, there are no tears. But I know people, I know people that just, you know, you go around them and you, you think you're going to have to lift them up, and they say, oh, don't worry about me, I'm all right. They're not delusional, they're not on opiates, you know, They just know. They just know in whom they've believed, and they know that he's able. Am I saying that's easy? Nope. No, I'm not. I'm not saying it's easy. There's nothing easy about that. But that's a real question. Have you trusted because you've seen me? How blessed are those who do not see but trust anyway. Don't miss this. How great would it be for your relationship with Christ To surrender to him and say, I trust you, no matter what it looks like. Now, look, you can't make, I know people make dumb decisions. They make dumb decisions. Oh, the Lord has ordained us. No, he hasn't. The Lord didn't ever tell you to do that thing over and over and over. That's crushed your life. No, he did not. Don't be putting that on him. Don't do something stupid. What the Lord told me. No, 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 no. Let's not. Let's not put something on him that's not his. But you do know people. I know people right now. Well, you want a faith injection, you go be around them. Good times are bad. They're still faithful. They're still faithful. They're still trusting and believing. Not blindly, not silly. Just are just saying, Father, I know you've got me. Whatever may come, I know you've got me. That's peace. I tell you what, you can't hardly you can't hardly be around those kind of people without uh, without some of it coming off on you. Forsake not the assembling of the saints you know some of those folks gather in a place and they share food at a kahala and they say how you doing and you say i'm struggling to be real, to be real honest with you i'm struggling and that person puts their arm on you their hand on you and says let's pray about it let's let's bring it to god one of my favorite things to do is if i'm somewhere i don't care where it is uh, if I'm somewhere and somebody tells me, you know, there's a big crowd around or whatever, and we're talking, and they tell, I say, Hey, how you doing? Oh, man, I tell you, I'm really worried. I'm really, really worried. My friend's son is in a Mexican prison in Mexico, and you know, he made a wrong turn, and he was, had an antique gun that his grandfather's, and he got put in prison. By the way, you guys know who got him out, right? Anybody here know who got the the uh, Marine? Had PTSD. His name is... Went, drove across the border. He, by accident, made a left turn. He should have made a right turn. He gets taken by a uh, Tamarisi, Sergeant Tamarisi. You know who got him out? On Friday, he'll be called President Donald Trump. That was who worked on that. Behind the scenes. Whose jet picked him up? Donald Trump. Amazing. His mother, Jill, is a testimony to faith. I think you, uh, do you know her? You may know her. I thought she was maybe friends with you on Facebook. She's an amazing lady. Yeah. Amazing, amazing lady. He's never wavered. God's got this. How would it be if we didn't see? And we trust it? How would it be? Verse 30, in the presence of the Talmudim, Yeshua performed many other miracles which have not been recorded in this book. But these which have been recorded are here so that you may trust Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by his trust you may have life because of who he is. Do you get what that's saying here? There's plenty here. Don't go buy another seminar, unless you want to. Don't go buy another book, unless you want to. I love books, love seminars, love all that. But you don't need more than that. You've already been given. God has already given you. He's given us all we need. Everything that's there in that book, we have it. And that's enough. That's enough. We know that he is God. You guys have been following the, 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 the letter, the math and all? Empty grave, empty cross, charges against Christ, threes, funny how things work out, full, full, part of the followers of the way. Sometimes we have to empty our hearts in order to have full hearts. Doesn't that sound strange? Sometimes we have to push out of our hearts and our our thinking and the natural, our minds, push it all out and empty ourselves before Christ, before we can be full in him. I said at the beginning, I think a very important thing, in the daily teaching, Yeshua, his Talmudim and the people that followed him, he emptied himself for them. He emptied himself for them. What if they didn't accept him? What if they didn't believe him? What if they didn't follow him? More than that, what if they didn't love him? Think about the pressure. Look, if I speak up here, uh, there's been a bunch of nominations. You guys ever hear TED Talks? You ever hear those? I didn't know what they were until a friend of mine says, hey, you should do a TED Talk. I didn't know how it even works. And now apparently I have like 500 and some nominations. You have to have a certain number. Nobody tells me what the number is, but before you give a TED Talk. And apparently that's a cool thing. They don't pay you, which – not as cool, but it's apparently a cool thing. The problem is, is you get between 7 minutes and 22 minutes. I don't know what they do to people who go over the 22 minutes, but I should know that first in case I do actually give one. Not that I would go over 22 minutes. Crowd chuckles. But you know when you give a speech, when I'm up here, look, if I give this and I'm pouring my heart and soul into it, and I'm, I'm giving everything I have, I'm emptying myself, You know, when I'm preparing, I'm I'm trusting God. Father, give me what they need. Don't give me what I need. Give me what they need. But if I come up here and I bomb, (laughs) the front row's like, "Mm -hmm, too late, brother, too late. But if I bomb, you know, I leave out of here. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm a little sick, but I'll be all right. I'll put the window down on the way home. I'll cool off. Eventually, I'll get better or I'll die, end up in heaven. It's, It's all good. But what if? Yeshua, think about this. What if they don't believe me? He knew what was coming for them. Because his father said to Noah, it's Going to be a big rain. It's going to wash over the whole earth. It's going to kill everyone and everything that's not in that boat. You had better be compelling if that is the answer. And really, isn't it true? Wouldn't you agree? That, that is what was on Yeshua's shoulders. What if they don't accept me? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't follow me? Salvation only comes unless we do those things and love him. Remember I said it's not the needy, self centered love we most often exhibit, it's the love of Christ. It's the perfect love. He went to the cross, he emptied himself. His blood flowed out, but death wasn't the biggest risk. High-risk love, I'm going to tell you, is a spiritual equation that in the natural with the new math simply doesn't add up. It's the ancient math. It's the perfect math of God. And you know, let me just say this to you. I don't know if you're a person, maybe you're sitting at home or you're here, uh, that you've had some terrible, terrible things happen in your life. You've lost people. How many in here have lost a parent? How many in here have lost a spouse? Right. A lot for a group this size. How many in this room have had cancer? You've gotten the news you have cancer. How many in this room have gotten the news that a friend, a dear friend, has this dreaded disease. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of people. There's a lot of tough stuff, terrible, terrible, sad, horrible things. And and while we're here on this earth, folks, I'm here to tell you, it isn't going to get a whole lot better in that regard. But one day, one glad day, it will be the moment. It'll be the moment that brings everything together. I don't have fear. I, I just, I don't experience that. I fear for my family and my friends. I fear, you know, I want to protect them. I want their, their well-being to be well-served, uh, their feelings to be protected. I want their well-being, their physical well-being to be protected. I want my friends and my family to know Christ and to have the assurance of heaven. I want all those things. And I'm pretty good. From a safety standpoint, I'm pretty good, that kind of thing. But you know what? I can't do it. You can't do it. For some reason, we don't seem compelled anymore to tell the story of Christ, to tell the story of salvation. We just don't seem compelled anymore. We're a garage door society for for whatever reason. That's what we've become. You know, you know those neighbors that you only see them drive up to their driveway. The garage door goes up. They press a little button in their car, door goes up. They drive in. Boop. The garage door closes, and you don't see them. But for a little bit, you see them outside, maybe picking up their mail or their newspaper. And you, hey, Jimmy, how you do? And Jimmy gives you that real quick wave. Right back inside. Folks don't. Folks don't converse like they used to. I wonder why ultimately it doesn't really matter why what matters is is that we have an obligation to at the very least tell our story you can't lead anyone to christ i hear people talk about that i used to keep account of it up until i was i don't know how old i was when i stopped counting but i it was like like 127 people i'd had the opportunity to Pray that prayer. Tell the people what to do. 127 people, and I was really, really like, oh no, I want, I want. When I die, I want to 500. I want 500 people to come to Christ. That's that was my push. And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but I had it all mixed up. I had it all mixed up. Just tell your story. The teachings of of uh, Dr. Moen and and uh, Dr. Fry and Dr. Frazier and. Dr. Durham and all these other people, these great teachers have sewed into me, helped me understand it. It isn't about that. Just tell your story. Tell your story. Give them the math equation. Right? Three E's and an F. Isn't that something? Cross. Empty charges. He ended up on the cross because of empty charges. He ended up in a borrowed grave because of that cross. That grave is empty because of the father and you can be full because of him doesn't add up in the regular world in the natural it doesn't add up but in the supernatural in christ it does join us next time
0: for sundays with dr sean and please follow this show and the collision of faith and politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church How Mediocrity is Destroying America at www.drseangreener.com. Join us during the week. and In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.